We live in an era where we have access to unlimited information right in our pocket. We can easily bypass the wisdom and connection of talking to those who have been through the struggle before us. Today's guest has been in business for decades, and his biggest regret was not finding a good mentor early on to help him navigate the obvious pitfalls. Today, he mentors Gonzaga University business students and talks about how to be excited every day with your work. Welcome to the Socks and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Ditto. Let's go. My guest today is uh, is a man who has been in business since his early twenties. Yes, he's been involved in all kinds of uh, all kinds of projects, from contracting to real estate. Um, to metal fabrication. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's most well-known right now for his company, Selkirk Development. Right. And I'm grateful to have him in my studio today. Um, thank you. Thanks for coming in, Sheldon. This is Sheldon Jackson from Selkirk Development. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. You, you said something before we started that I actually want to start with. Okay. Because, you know, as somebody that has been in business for several decades... Uh, and has a lot of experience under his belt. You said something that I think is really important for for a lot of us as we think about providing for our families and taking care of the things that are important to us and putting a roof over our heads and our kids' heads. You said it's important to find something that you like to do right. and that the income will follow. Uh-huh. To tell me more about that and specifically at what point in your career path did you did you identify that as something that was really important? Well, first of all, let's talk about the theory um, behind this. And that, and the theory is we all are passionate about something, okay? There's, we all are different. You know, that's the great thing about the human race. We're, we all have differences, and we all need each other. Every, every one of us has some sort of talent. No matter who it is, we all have some sort of talent. And um, as we're growing up, we're going to school, we're learning about ourselves, we'll find our passion, and, and I want to, and it's passion because it has to be passionate. If you're going to own a business, it has to be passionate or, or you work in 80 hours and hate in your life or 70 hours, whatever the hours are. Yeah. So it's passion. And I mentor out at GU and when That's I talk Gonzaga University, Gonzaga University. Yep. and when I talk to the kids, I ask them what they're passionate about, not what are you going to do? What job you're going to get? And what, are these students that you're talking to, are they mostly business students? Are they? I, 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 mean, I mentor at the business school. Great. But, yeah. I, but I talk to their friends, too. They bring their friends over. Sure. And I, I just mentored some art students sure. just uh, this summer. Um, but when you're passionate, you're going to do really well. It, you're going to love what you're doing. And you're going to try to do the best because you're passionate. You know, look at professional sports. These guys didn't get there hating to be a basketball player or hating to be a baseball player. They love what they do. On their days off, they play basketball. Yeah. Um, So that's if you want to have your own business or even just work for someone like what you're doing, you passion, be passionate about it. It's half your life, at least half your life, maybe more than half your life. Yeah. when I talk to people that are already in a job, I ask them um, on Sunday, are you dreading to go to work on Monday? 
are you, you don't want to go to work on money. You're going, oh man, the weekend's over. I don't you got kind do of butterflies in your stomach. You got butterflies you're like, oh, in your man, stomach. And you're just thinking, oh, you're anxious. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, your day's about halfway through Sunday, your day's ruined. Yeah. Get out of that job. Yeah. You're not doing your family a service. You're not doing yourself a service. You're doing everybody a disservice. Get out of that job. Here's where I am. I don't make it through Sunday. I have to go to work mm-hmm. on Sunday. I love, it's not work. I, I guess I shouldn't say I have to go to work because I'm not going to work. I love what I do so much. You're just ready to get started. You're like, I got all these stuff I want to do. I'm excited about going yeah, to doing it. I, I end up Sunday. I end up so going to do it. at the bit. I'm chomping at the bit. I can't <laughs> wait to Monday. That's what you want to be. That's where you want to be. That's how you know. That's how you know that you have figured out what it is that you want to do. Exactly. So, so your passion is real estate. I, uh, you and I spent uh, a couple hours together last yes. week looking at some of the stuff that you do with old properties, mm-hmm. but, but your journey in, you know, in real estate started a long time ago as a contractor, right? Yeah. Electrical contractor. You were in construction yes. in, C- in the Seattle area. In the Seattle area. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, did not have enough money for school. Um, this is back in the seventies mm-hmm. and it was a little tougher. Not everybody went to college back in the seventies. And, um, so I went into the trades and the trades are great. And the trades are still great. They're still, uh, there's still a great path. If again, if you love what you're doing and I love being an electrician, um, I have a problem though. My problem is I see every company I've worked for, I see how to fix it. And I start fixing the company for somebody else. And, and it, and it works most of the time, you know, but I finally figured out, man, I just need to own my own companies. So is this what happened with the first company that you worked for? Well, I worked for a lot of different companies throughout my growing up, you know, even worked in the oysters where I said, Hey, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. But with my electrical, uh, and the electrical, um, uh, part, you're an apprentice. Yeah. And I was working for this company and they were just not doing business right. Mm-hmm. And so I helped them change their business and just thought, you know, I should be doing this for myself. So is this something you just had a nose for from an early age or were you exposed to entrepreneurism and good business practices from a parent or an uncle or when, where did this come from? I, I, I think it's a little new, uh, nurture and nature. I mm-hmm. think there's, I think there's a little bit in who you're surrounded by. Um, but I've always been able to see it. And, and I think that's just different. I, I see how the world works mm-hmm. and that's what business is. It's, you, you understand how the world works. You understand how your customers, what they need, you know, when they need it, what they're, what they're able to afford, all of these things. You, 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 you just see how the process works and you put yourself in the middle of that to supply a service. That's, that's really what business is. And so I've always been able to see how things work, whether it's electrical company or a you know hospital or any of these things i could i could see on the big picture how it works who are the customers how you make money how you lose money all of those different things yeah so you because that has been that was one of the prevailing undertones that i got from spending time with you last week was your business in the real estate development side is just totally catered to what it is that my customers want. Right. You run a small restaurant, what kind of space are you looking for? And then I'm going to create that here uh-huh. in one of my buildings. And not only for your tenants, because sometimes you can't trust your tenants. Your tenants, and restaurants are a good example. Uh, chefs have a passion. 
but do they understand real estate? Not necessarily. Yeah, and so probably not. And do I understand running a restaurant? No. <laughs> so we have to kind of stay in our lane and use people that are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And so even if a restaurant person comes to me and says, you know, I want to go in this space, I will ask them enough questions to find out if they really should be in this space. Mm-hmm. Is this their customer? It's all about your customer. Yeah, You're there to serve your customer. You're there to make your customer's life easier and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. If not, you're going to compete against Amazon. Because if it's just about buying a product, it's, it's on price. Right. And that's Amazon. That's right. the internet. Right. Um, if it's about an experience, then it's about your customer hmm. and, and, and how they enjoy the transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a meal transaction, whether it's buying metal from my metal company, or whether they're a tenant of mine. Yeah. There's a transaction happening, and it better be enjoyable and good for both parties. So you've, this is, a, this is a great point of your philosophy as well, is your ability to identify what a customer needs and not let the idea that somebody bigger, smarter, with deeper pockets has already figured this out, therefore there's no market for this piece or this product or this whatever you on the other hand you you are that quintessential entrepreneur who believes look there's certain parts of this economy that amazon can never even touch no they don't want to touch it because they're too big and they don't want to touch it yeah Uh, and the bigger the company the more the more dumbed down it gets because it has to be replicated um, let's use Starbucks as an example. Yeah. So Starbucks, they were the first to change retail, a strip center retail with drop ceilings things, into this cool, funky place that people wanted to go hang out. Yeah. Okay. Now you go to a Starbucks and they all look the same. They're still cool and funky, but they're the same cool and funky. Yeah. Okay. They had to be able to replicate it in architecture and design and colors and equipment and employees. Um, and sizes of space. So the bigger the company, the more dumbed down it's going to be, the more cookie cutter it's going to be. The smaller we are, the more we can be individualistic. And that's where the cool funk comes from. You know, it's the cool funky coffee shop that people really like to hang out. It's the cool bakery that we like to hang out in. And so this is great for people that are starting up and that they, they can really make a difference if they understand their customer this is such, this is such great this is such great information you know because i think it's so easy for us to get caught up in the idea that we can't create something unique and fun and consumable you know that that all the good ideas have been done or that somebody will always be able to make and sell a better mousetrap than us but that has never been something that you've been afraid of oh no 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 and and it could be just little things and, and is somebody else doing it probably but right. are they doing it in our market are they doing it as well um it, it, it's just important to understand the customer and have the passion to understand the customer. If they're just a transaction, I mean, that's all about money. Money comes after the passion. Yeah. When you treat someone well and they will pay you, they will continue to come back to your business. You know, we always look at our customers and it's not the first transaction that determines whether we're successful or not. It's when they come back. Yeah. That means we're successful. And if they continue to come back and they bring in their friends or they recommend us, 
that's when you're successful. Well, and that's and that's marketing 101, right? The least expensive customer is the one you already have. Exactly. <laughs> Why go out and spend all the money right. to bring bring another person in the door when that person's inside the door already? Absolutely. I think I think we've all been to that store where you have something and you have it on the counter and you want to check up and the guy's on the phone with somebody that's not in the store and does not even know if they want to buy something and you walk out. Yeah. Um, because they have lost sight of the customer. Yeah. The customer's in the store. And and we don't want to compete, uh, com, uh, compete against Amazon. Right. You know, they have their spot, but they're not going to do something that's hard. Customer service is not their main gig. Mm-hmm. If it takes a lot of manpower, then that's the business you want to be in. Yeah. If it doesn't, you, you're gonna. You have a chance of somebody taking your business away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talk to a lot of businesses, and just prior to COVID, I was talking to a credit union, and the credit union continues to go down the path of no personal interaction. Okay. You know, online banking online loan pain, mm-hmm. online documents, mm-hmm. online, all online, direct deposit, direct deposits, use your phone to cash your checks, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're down to, to, to money now yeah. because you don't know the person. There's no interaction here. So it's down to money or ease or the best computer system. And you know, what's going to happen? There's going to be Amazon banking. Right. Because they're the best at doing this. Right. And if you don't care about the people and it doesn't need a person, then Amazon will take over the world. Mm -hmm. Google will take over the world. Mm -hmm. Microsoft will take over the world in these areas. And so the only way to separate yourself is through personal interaction. Yeah. And that's where we need to stay. The more like Amazon you try to get, the more like Google or any of these other companies you try to get you're dumbing your company down to be taken away. Yeah. Um, You're going to see it with residential real estate is that if they dumb down that transaction, then it will become computerized. Sure. And so you don't want to dumb down the, the, the transaction. You want it to make it more personable and you have to provide a service that you cannot get on the internet. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's important, you know. And, and so when you're looking at a business, look at it. Hard is better. You know, everybody wants to have an easy job, but those are easy to be replicated and taken away. It's mm-hmm. the hard jobs that nobody takes away because they don't want to do it. So one of your one of your companies that you that you own uh, does these metal panels, right. these uh, ornamental metal pannings. If you can imagine like on railings or on the sides of patios, mm-hmm. that kind of ornamental rail, railing. And, and you, I mean, you showed me a bunch of them. One of them was around a dumpster right. that just right. looked, just looked beautiful. Sure. So that, that's a business that you have talked about that does business all over the country. Yes. How, how do you apply the principle of, of people and personalization in, you know, in a, in a business like that where you're here and your yes. customers are in Boston? Okay. Um, first of all, you, you have to be passionate about the product. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you see in the world today is that buildings, 
cities, they're all somewhat be looking the same. Um, the cool funk is the old buildings. You know, labor was cheaper back in then. Materials were labor right, you know, back in then. <laughs> you know, it, there was a reason why that stuff got built, and some some of it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a reason some of it has been unbuilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, part of it is is that uh, you know labor was pretty inexpensive back in the day, even though these guys were real artisans. I would consider them artisans, not just labor. Um, but uh, we've lost our art. We've kind of lost our cities. If you, it, it, Seattle um, used to be one of my favorite cities, and as it got more and more built up, it looks the same. You know, the mixed use has retail on the first floor, some apartments above it. They're all the same color. It's all you know the glass. The materials are the same. Yeah, we came out with a product called Functional Metal Art. The company's revamp panels, mm-hmm. and what we did is that. Art for art's sake is expensive Right to add to a project, a private project, public project, whatever. Yeah. We decided to add it into a functional material, functional system, I so guess. So you're going to cross art and cool design with the Railing. functionality of architecture. Yes. Railing Railings, is a great example. Um, light fixtures, uh, fencing, you know, even a garbage enclosure yeah. that, we, that we saw the other day or equipment enclosures, all of those things. Yeah. So it, it's, it's crossing the realm, functional metal art. So you, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. You're getting your art factor and your project can set apart. So where does that customer service come in? And how do we get to these other people all across the United States out of Spokane, Washington? Um, it's based on, again, customer service. Every project we do, we consider custom. So if you're another metal manufacturing company, they're going to sell you a four foot by eight foot sheet, just like plywood. They're going to be like, these are our patterns. Yep. Pick one of our patterns. Yes. Yeah. And here's three colors. Right. You can have any color. You can have any pattern. You can have your own pattern. Um, and it doesn't matter what size it is. Yeah. We'll design it for you. So there's the customer service mm-hmm. is that this is tailored for your project. Yeah. This is tailored for your needs. This is tailored for your style. All of those things, customer service, customer service. And we give a lot before we even sign the contract. And then we do a lot of free service up front, pricing, a little bit of design, engineering, all of those things. And then the other part as a developer, as a contractor that we dislike is the gray area. The gray area is the point where if you have two subcontractors and there's an area in between them and something goes wrong, they both point at each other. Uh-huh. That's the gray area. In our business, in the metal business, we take out all the gray area. We take on 100% of the responsibility. Okay. So the contractors love it. The developer loves it. The designers love it. And that there's, there's only one place for it to go wrong with revamp. And that's us. Uh-huh. And we take on that responsibility. And you'll find that in every wor- and everything. I mean, whether it's clothing, whether it's shoes or whatever, yeah. don't point the finger. Take on the responsibility. Take on the full responsibility. And then you provide customer service. When I have to buy things at three or four different places, that's not customer service. Yeah. You kind of want that one-stop 
for at least the market that you're you're working in. Yeah. So you want your customers to know and to understand that that you're going to take care of it all. You know, A to Z. You yes. guys, you guys don't have to go find the brackets or the fasteners. Nope. You don't have to worry about the contractor putting nope. it in. Oh no, you do have to worry about you know? the contractor putting it in. That's the part that's different from us, since we're in all fifty states. Right. Very hard to install from Spokane. Yeah. But because of that, we have designed processes uh-huh. and instructions and manuals and videos and photography. And we do our own custom packaging that says, you know, this is the first piece that goes in. Uh, okay. All of that stuff. So uh, it, we, and we, we try to make it simple. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. People think that simple um, means you're dumbing it down. Simple is tough. It's tough to be simple. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be complex. Oh, sure. It's very tough to be simple. And so we try to simplify our process without dumbing down the look. Mm-hmm. And, and so then you can sell at a better price point. It's easier to install. Those are the things that you, you know, you always try to simplify. And, and you and I yeah. talked about this earlier is, is when we talk to our people, um, first of all, we don't believe in perfection. I mean, if, if you can reach perfection, then I, you're going to be bored the rest of your life. <laughs> so we believe in being better every day yeah, and that we will make mistakes, mm-hmm. um, but you're going to be better tomorrow than you are today. And that's the same thing with perfection. Our products, we're not satisfied with our products. We're always trying to make them better tomorrow than they are today. And that's a, that's a great philosophy because the other thing that is happening simultaneously is there's some other guy out there who's trying to develop and make a product better than yours. Exactly. So if you become stagnant in your process, eventually you're going to get passed up. And I think that's where you see what happens in a lot of companies. Yeah. They forget how they started. Yeah. They, for, they, they forgot about their, their edge. And I, and I think that's what it is. You have to have an edge. I mean, you have to be, when I say edge, you're, you're pushing the envelope. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not taking it for granted that this company over here is, is the best at what they're doing. Yeah. You feel that you can come up, again, with a better mousetrap, that you can find something better. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think it's simple. The, 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 as long as it still looks great and you can make it simple, that is a product that you can be very happy. Yeah, that's great. And that, and that, and I mean, these are things that you have learned in your decades of, of being in business. I, I, I want to go back and talk about how you went from being an electrical contractor to starting your first business. Tell okay. us about, tell us about that transition and that process. So for uh, being an electrician, because electrical contractor is a, is a, is right. a business, Sorry. but from being an electrician. So uh, in the electrical trades, in most of the trades, there's an apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. Um, in the electrical trade, due to the danger of electricity, um, you have to have some special licensings to not only be an electrician, but to be an owner of a company. Right. And that's called, in the state of Washington, it's called administrator's license. So... I had my administrator's license before I had my journeyman's license as an electrician, knowing that I was going to start a company. So a friend of mine and I, we just started a company. So that was your plan from the get-go? Um, after a couple of years. Okay. okay. After a couple of years. You know, once I found out that I liked being an electrician, yeah. um, I was going to be an engineer. Hmm. I was going to make enough money as an electrician and go back to school to be an engineer. Hmm. 
and um, found that I liked doing what I was doing in the electrical trade. Love creating, love building, love designing, those sort of things. And so that's your passion. Um, and from there, you know, boy, I wish I had a mentor back in those days. Um, we walked into a lot of walls, <laughs> walked into a lot of walls. And, and luckily, we both, my partner and I, we worked, we were hard workers and we got through it mm-hmm. by just working harder. Some projects we didn't make much money on, but we got through it. We never stopped. We never quit. And and the part that you really enjoyed was the creation part. The creation part. That I mean, when we talk about passion, that's what that's what was the driving force behind what you were doing is you love to take something and to create something great out of it. It's the same thing as the metal company. It's the same thing as being a developer. Yeah. Um, I could not be a broker. I could not be a Wall Street broker because you're just creating m- wealth. This wasn't about buying and selling properties to you. No, this was it wasn't about, about the money. Yeah. It was the creativity of building something and cool. seeing something built. And um, probably with a lot of your the people that are out here watching this, they're home for COVID. Okay. I bet they've created something yeah. over this time frame. Their yeah. yard. They've done a project. Yeah. Frustrating blue thumbs from hitting your hand with, the hand with a nail, a hammer or whatever it is. But I bet there's a lot of satisfaction with it, that you did it, yeah. that you accomplished this thing. Well, think about that on a larger scale. Yeah. That's what I get to do every day. Yeah. Okay. So you and your, you and your partner, you guys, you guys decide to take the plunge and you just start working on these projects. Yeah. And, and we called the right people. We had some people that we could call to help us at least get their business licenses and things like this. And, and we were well known in the market already because we did good work. And so people started calling us already. Um, and we started, um, in probably, um, Maybe worse than COVID time frame in Seattle. Hmm. This was the time frame when they had the billboard that said the last person in Seattle, please turn, turn out the lights. lights. That's right. when we started. We started that year. <laughs> and it's akin to a contractor starting building houses in 2009. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Single family homes. Yes. In 2009. So, um, yeah. And it just took effort. And customer service. Yeah. And, and it worked. But I'll tell you the the, the the most important thing I learned from that first company is you have to learn what you don't know. You have to understand what you don't know. We did everything. We didn't even have computers back then. I mean, I had a manual typewriter that we were typing up invoices at night. <laughs> I was doing the typing. My, my typing class seemed to be the most valuable class I ever took in high school. <laughs> um, so we burned ourselves out because we didn't know how to hire the right talent to take the load off. Because you, we you were working all day and then running the business all night. Exactly. Is essentially what you were and doing. And weekends. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Were you married at the time? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you no, wouldn't have been for very not, long. No, <laughs> I would not have been married for very long. No, no, you you could not have been. Yeah. You could not have been. Uh, dating was even tough in those times. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was tough. We were living through the company. And here's the sad part. I loved the electrical work. I love being, and I hate it today. Interesting. Because I just, we just did it wrong. We huh. just worked too long until we finally hated it. You burned yourself out. We on burned that ourselves whole... out in a very short period of time. Interesting. Made a bunch of money. Yeah. Did all of those things. But do not, and I love the trades. I love being an electrician. Mm-hmm. But, 
through bad knowledge, not getting the right mentoring, we both hate it. Okay, let me, this is the second time you've talked about mentoring and how you, you lacked having that good mentor. So how, how, does, how does some, I mean, if you could go back and talk to the younger Sheldon Jackson back in those yes. days and be like, listen, man, you need to find a guy that can help you understand this, this. How, what would be your advice? How do you find it? What are you, how do you know what you're looking for? Um, I think the, the, the hardest part for all, everybody out there is you have to put yourself out there to ask. When I was in my twenties, I knew it all. So I didn't need a mentor. Right. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even know what you didn't know. Cause oh, you knew it all. I knew it all. <laughs> I, I knew everything. I, I knew everything. I, 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 I have a son. So I, 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 I see that in him, but he's better. I mean, he's good at that. So, yeah. uh, he was much better than myself. Uh, but you have to put yourself out there and you have to admit to yourself that you don't know everything. And nobody does. Nobody knows everything. If they do, um, uh, it's it's the old saying, you, you know, uh, the the, ma- the the person that thinks they know it all, they don't know anything. I mean, you don't want that person working for you. You want somebody that knows their niche. You don't want, you know, the handyman. Yeah, he can fix a plumbing pipe, but he can't plumb your house, you know, those sort of things. So you want somebody that really understands who they are and they know who they are and they stay in that area. Mm -hmm. We didn't know who we were. We learned it. You know, it, it only it lasted eight years, but at, at eight years, you know, had 15 employees and six trucks on the road and owned real estate and all those things, but hated it. Yeah. And so luckily, you know, I was able to go, I wasn't after the money. So what would your, what would your mentor have told you back then? Um, they would have told me that. You can't do it all. Yeah. You need the the go the get an accountant. Go get a good attorney. You need the yeah. You, yeah. And get everybody good. Yeah. And then build a good base. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing you want to do is when you're hammered with business, you have people coming in from everywhere that you have to rebuild your base. Build a base that can expand. Mm-hmm. So have the good attorney. Have the good accountant, have the good bookkeeper, have these things set in place so that your base can expand with your growth or like my business today in development, it's going to fall over because you have a bad foundation. Sure. Have a good foundation. And that could be friends of the family. I mean, we all know each other. We all know somebody, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to put yourself out there and ask for help. Ask for help. It's the perfect analogy for a guy who builds buildings, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to have a good base. You have man. to have a good base. And, and that's the thing. I won't buy an old building with a bad base. Sure. I'll buy an old building with a lot of problems, but I won't buy one with a bad base. Yeah. Because you can't fix it. You got to tear the building down to fix it yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Um, but, but right there, it's you put yourself out there. Understand that you don't know everything except maybe this niche that you're in and ask for help. And I'll tell you, you ask me for help, it's free. I mean, you're, you're a guy with, with decades of really diverse business experience. Oh. Young kid comes to you in his 20s. He's like, look, Sheldon, I really want to be a real estate developer. Sure. You know, I mean, 
I, I think I think some sometimes a young guy looks at it and he's like, Sheldon's not going to give me the time of day. Look at how busy and successful he is. But but that's not the case you're saying. Oh, no. You no, would no, be that's thrilled a, to have a young oh, guy do that. Oh, I think most people would. Yeah. You're going to find, you know, again. There's jerks out there's there. There's jerks but. out there everywhere you look. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, and I think that's part of the problems that we're having today It is this disconnecting communication. Um and and asking for help and 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 instead of sending a text pick up the phone or go to the person's place of business and and i don't care what it is i mean there's a lot you know i i I don't know how to make a movie but i could help you on the the business end of it yeah um i'm the worst artist ever but if you have artwork and you want to start a business and i could help you with the real estate and the you know and the accounting and all of those different things um it's it's uh, find the right people, but you have to put yourself out there and you have to admit to yourself that you don't know everything. I, I just I think this is such really good advice, especially in the age of information that we live in. Mm-hmm. See, because when you were younger, you didn't have the Internet. Nope. You didn't have cell phones. Nope. You, you didn't have you didn't have YouTube. Nope. I mean, almost any repair that I've done on my cars, for sure. example, for sure. the last 10 years. I, I have been able to look it up and see step by step exactly what I was supposed to do. And and I think what it's created in my generation, I'm not that old, you know, I'm 40, but I, you know, I grew up with the internet. We got the internet when I was in high school. I think that's what it's created in a lot of us, my generation and down, is this complete sense of self-independence mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't need somebody, I can figure this thing out, you know? But I think that, that what I have done and, and and when you're talking about this stuff, it just really pierces me. And I think a lot of our audience out there is this like, man, you know, here's a guy, here's a guy who is, you know, got a number of years on me and has all this wealth of experience and, and, and how great would it be for me to reach out to guys like you and say, how, how do I expand this part of my business? Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I would be so benefited to find guys like you that would help mentor me in the businesses and the opportunities that I am seeking to pursue instead of Googling it. Sure. You know, looking it up on the internet. Well, I, I, I don't. <laughs> YouTube I don't think it. it's bad looking it up on the internet. I, I wish I would. We would have had those. Oh, deals it's a there. great tool, no doubt. But really, the internet is helping you figure out what questions to ask the person. Mm, yeah. So it's giving you an idea of the different nuances of a business, but you're not going to get real life experiences from the internet. Yeah. And excuse me, I think what you're going to get from me is me looking back at whatever age you are that you're coming to me and seeing the pitfalls that I went through at that time frame and trying to help you not walk into that wall that I walked into yeah to not stub your toe like I did to not make these mistakes that's the best advice you can get is you know you know Oh yeah, problems help you grow. Well, you know, yes they do. I, yeah, yeah they do. But you know, why go look for them? Yeah, Let, let's try to avoid them. Yeah, there's there's plenty of problems out there in the world. Don't We're, worry, don't You'll worry. Have plenty of problems to overcome. <laughs> don't worry, you're not going to miss them all. Uh, but 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 at least try to avoid the obvious ones. Yeah, absolutely. and I think that's what a mentor can do. 
And I think you would be surprised at how many people would love to be asked. Yeah. Just asked. Think about, you know, um, I started late in life with kids, but I, I could be somebody's grandpa here. Think about asking your grandparents advice. Mm-hmm. Is your grandparents pretty excited about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because nobody asks your grandpa or grandma for advice. Yeah. Think of, think of how honored they would be if you asked them for advice. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing with the business person. It's so great. You're respecting them enough to ask them for advice. Yeah. I mean, you think that they're they're talented if you're asking them for advice. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've always loved is personal finance. Uh Right. I I, I love budgeting. I, Uh you know, I'm really frugal with my money Mm -hmm. and and I've always got a kick out of it. You know, you need to come work for me because I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) It it just it's so interesting because not that long ago, a friend of mine came to me Uh and and they're single and, you know, and they said, hey, Kelly, I was just wondering if you would be willing to come help me out with my personal finances. I'm just not good at it. And, and I, and I have a number of questions and I don't know what to do. I just feel like I need someone else to help me. And I was like, I was like floored that they would ask me to do that. To ask you because they knew you. And I looked right at him and I said, I'm going to tell you something right now is that I'm going to look at your budget and I'm going to, I'm going to find you $500 a month on the first time I look at your budget. Sure. And they were like, no way. I was like, I'm telling you, right. I will save you $500 a month. The first time I sit down and meet with you. And I have no, I have no idea what your personal finances are like. And, and it was, it was even better than that. Yeah. But, but, but what you're saying just really, you know, rings true in this personal experience. You know, this, this friend of mine, you know, they didn't pay me. I didn't ask them to pay me. I would never ask them to pay me. I was just so impressed that they, would be interested enough in what I was doing, you know, with my personal life uh-huh. that they would come to me and say, look, you've, you've got something figured out here that I would really like to do better at. Mm-hmm. Will you come show me? And I was totally flattered by that. If, if you have to pay a mentor, it's not mentorship. Yeah, that's right. And th- this is based off respect and someone trying to give back to the next generation. And I, I think that's what we need to do is to give back to the next generation. That's the only way we're going to keep moving forward. It seems like we're stalled a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's my generation that did it. I think it's my generation um, really did not have an idea on where the next generation should go, how to help them, how to help the... We got so many things during our generation. It was almost overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, the internet and the computers and and the way vehicles are today. The the world changed dramatically. And and we're almost overwhelmed of where we're going to go with this. There's almost almost too much. And so I'm going to take the blame. Our generation um, is not helping the other generations by demanding that the world become a better place and um, in, in all aspects, socially, communication, all of these different things, um, uh, environmentally, you know, just, I mean, there's some things out there that haven't changed for 40 years that are ridiculous that they haven't changed for 40 years. I'm even looking at my metal company and going, you know, metal's been around forever and railing systems have been around forever. How did we think this up? This is not rocket science here. You know, this is not Elon Musk going to Mars. Mm-hmm. And so we, we dropped the ball. And I'm hoping that the younger generations can pick this up and get the energy again and have the goal-oriented 
you know, whatever the goals are. Again, you know, we're not here to say what the, what your goals are, but mm-hmm. try, you know, go for those goals yeah. and don't set them too low. Reaching a goal is great only if it's a short-term goal and you have the one that you can never reach always out there. I was recently listening to, and I can't remember who it was, but he, he was a psychologist and he was talking about this idea of goals mm-hmm. and he kept calling it an aim. He said, he said, it's interesting how having an aim, which is just essentially a goal, is sure. describing, but he had a reason for calling it an aim, but he said, having an aim is such a critical component in human development. Mm-hmm. He said, everyone thinks that achieving your goal or achieving your aim is the most important part. Mm-hmm. He said, it's actually not. He said, it's the pursuance yes. of that. It's the process of going after something that creates the greatest growth. And so the bigger that you, the bigger you think and the more interested you are in achieving that and just, just having that out yeah. there is something, you know, is something that you can continue to do. The, the companies that we respect and I think that their employees are have the most satisfaction is the ones that have, and I think the reason, difference between a goal and an aim, a goal is, is defined, I think, you know, mm-hmm. and an aim is, is more general. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a goal, you can put a number to it and you can define it's it very, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very, very defined. And I think an aim yeah. is more of a, 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 you know, something more holistic. Yeah. Um, is you, you want to have the satisfaction of finishing. And in a business, finishing is critical. I've, I've seen some very talented people that just could not finish and they're not business people. You have to finish and you have to move on. So you need a short, you need these short-term goals, aims that can be finished, but then you should have this long-reaching one that is really tough to attain. Mm-hmm. You know, something that is, um, and I've heard him used in years. You know, we have our quarterly yeah. goal, and then we have our ten-year plan. Right. Um, and if you're anything like me. That's you're not going to end up at that 10 year deal. You're going to go off on a different path. Right. Because it's changing. It's everything's changing. The world's changing. Yeah. You're changing. Your business is changing. Like if anybody could predict what the economy or what this field even is going to look like in 10 years, they would be a bajillion. Exactly. But the reality is this is what we're going to aim for. But in two years, who knows? The perpetual battery might get yeah. you know, created and that's going right. to completely divert what I do with, with buildings or whatever. Well, and I've seen companies fail because they would not deviate. Yeah. That they were going down this path, hell or high water, man, we're going to go down this path and we're going to reach our goal, even though it's buggy whips and it's 1940 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you, you have to be able to be flexible. And flexibility is important in business. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're, you know, finishing is important, but flexibility is important too. If you're seeing that the path you're going down is not the path, the right path, or somebody else has taken that space, then you need to deviate and move sideways or, or okay. somewhere else. Okay. So while we're on this, you, you took a major deviation. You started that business in Seattle. You ran it yeah. for a number of years, but then you pivoted and you left Seattle. Right. So, so, so tell us about that. Cause that fits perfectly in, you know, with this idea, I think. Well, first of all, burnt my, we, we burn ourselves out from the electrical. So, yeah. so that was done. My partner, um, 
he was caught up in it and he liked the money, but he was just as burnt out. But he, he goes, man, we're going to leave something to go somewhere else. Man, we, we don't, you know, life's short, you know, let's do something that we want to do. And um, we had started developing. Um, this tells you how long ago we were developing in, in Ballard, which is part of Seattle. And uh, there's cranes there today. And we were like one of the first apartment houses built in 20 years. <laughs> when we started, we saw a need. Um, Seattle had expanded um, out suburbia, and it took you an hour to get to work. Mm-hmm. And we'd seen, well, some, something's going to have to change here. People are not going to sit in traffic for two hours. Mm-hmm. And so we started building in the Ballard area, and it worked out real well. Loved that business. Um, same thing, you're creating. And the problem we had in Seattle, and it's even worse today, is the entitlement process. Mm-hmm. It could take you, with his own piece of property, it could take you three to five years to have a building permit. And that's what was taking for us. And when you have a limited amount of funds, all your money's tied up and you're not doing a project. It would take you three to five years to just get the building permit? With his own piece of property. That's not throwing in zoning. Wow. No, and I think it's the same today. Wow. I think it's the same today in those markets. And... um the more, the more bureaucracy you have, the harder the entitlement process. And the entitlement process is there to protect the public. But at some point in time, it, it, it gets overzealous. And I'm not saying you don't need an entitlement process. You do need an entitlement process. Um, but you should have major points, not these things that take you three to five years. Uh, so... That did not work for me. So uh, luckily, a friend of mine um, had moved to Spokane, and I'd been visiting here. Okay, so just so I understand this com- uh, well, so you were developing these properties in Ballard because you saw the growth that was happening in yes. Seattle. But but the problem that was you were confronted with was, I've got to tie up so much of my money into these properties. Exactly. And the process is so cotton-pick and slow yes. that... I, we we need to we need to do something different. I I, I only had so much cash for and, sure. Yeah, and when you're a developer, this this is one thing that maybe your audience would like to know is that uh, you don't finance the beginning stage. You're buying it with cash. Right. The banks aren't going to loan you on a future project. Yeah. You have to have a permit in hand before the banks will even talk to you. Oh, for sure. So all of these things of design and entitlement process, that's all cash. That's all out of your pocket. That's all risk. And that's not money that you're going to see realized for five to 10 years. Well, when you start building, yeah, well, it depends on the entitlement process, but when you start building, you can get a construction um, loan Mm -hmm. loan in which will, some of that will be paid back. Not all of it. You have to leave money into it, but, but some of that will be paid back. So, so back to Seattle, when you're a small developer, um, you have all your money tied up into land buildings, bad buildings, you know, buildings that should be torn down and an entitlement process with architects and engineers and civil engineers and, and all of these different processes. And you're not seeing a project. Right. And you can't, you're, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. You can't, you can't grow. You have to wait till you do this one to do the next one. Because you don't do have an unlimited one. trough of money. Uh, you, because you like, can't, well, I've got got a bunch of money tied up in that one. Well, we'll just start another one we'll and start we'll just put a dozen projects in the queue. Like, that's not how it's going to work for you. No, not, not for the small guys. And as a matter of fact, that's why a lot of investment firms 
are part of development. Okay. Where their investors are investing in and so it's 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 regular money that are not developers yeah. being pushed into the development world for this process. Yeah. Okay. With the hope that they do get entitled and that they do make money in the end. Yeah. Um, but went and looked at Spokane. I was always coming over here anyways. Beautiful area. Um, really have never been found out. We're just, you know, still a little bit, you know, the 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 stepsister of Seattle in the, in the coast. Mm-hmm. But loved it here. Uh, outdoors person. Loved this market. And saw that the processes were great. And they're still great. Let, yeah. me, let me just tell you. Spokane's processes, entitlement processes are amazing. Yeah. The only ones that complain are the ones from Spokane that have never been anywhere else. They don't know how bad it <laughs> no, could be. they don't know how bad <laughs> like, it could you be. You have to go to Ballard to try and build a building, yeah, brother. Yeah, <laughs> You'll be grateful for what you got. Yeah, you'll, 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 hug, you'll hug all the people downtown once you go to Ballard and find out what it's really like. Yeah. No, we're very lucky. And so we were able to do that, which means your process, you can buy land, you can do these things, and, and you can expand. What year did you come to Spokane and start developing? Um started looking in 89 and we moved here full time in 90. Wow. Okay. Very good. So you've been developing here for 30 years now. Yes. And you've done some beautiful buildings and you've got a, I mean, you talk about a vision. You've got, you've got a couple of really beautiful proposals out there right now. Sure. Sure. And, and, and this is all again, just looking at your customer mm-hmm. and looking at opportunities and, um, a lot of, a lot of people will use the excuse of, man, it's, it can't happen to me. This is all insider trading. These are yeah. all these different yeah. things that are happening. I'll, I'll use an example here for your audience just so that they can see that it's not insider trading. It's not who you know. Um, I went to a... Um, we're all familiar with Spokane. Um, in 1974, we had the World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And we built this one of the most amazing urban parks in, in the world, in my, in, in, in my opinion. And it had not been redone. And so as, as a community, we uh, taxed ourselves uh, with a bond to be able to redo the park. Well, I went to one of the meetings. I was just very, I'm interested in, in construction and development. I just, I love this part of the deal and design. Um, and I went to this meeting and the person that got the contract was Berger um, uh, out of Seattle. They were the designer and guy Michelson got up and he said, Hey, you know, I don't understand Spokane with this beautiful park in your center, why is the private industry not embracing this park? Yeah. This is Central Park in New York City. The most expensive real estate should be next to the park. It's right downtown. It's urban. Yeah. It should be next to the park. When we do our work, my main goal is connectivity so that private will build around the park and embrace our park system. Yeah. So this is at night on a Monday night. And when I left the meeting at 930 at night, it was dark out and I walked around the park until I found the real estate I wanted to buy. Hmm. And we bought it a couple months later. No kidding. Yes. And it was for sale and nobody and they could hardly wait to give us the property to sell it to us. They hated it. They did not see the vision, bought it and I've owned a lot of real estate, developed a lot of projects, and this is going to be the best one, just just for the location. You've owned this property since 1974? No, uh, I've oh. owned this property since they we redid the park 
gotcha. which has been about five years ago. Gotcha. Oh, five. Okay. Yeah, right. So it's been about that. five years ago. Gotcha. Yeah. No, you don't want to wait that long to develop. No, I was. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, like, that's really tying your like, money up. Sheldon, you are a man of vision. No, wow. <laughs> no, that would have been a bad vision because you, you had a vision that took way too long. No, all you had to do was listen to the person yeah. and be excited what he talked about. Yeah. And then he just walked around the park. And I, I found three other properties and one is just being redone right now, which is old city hall. Yeah. Which is one of the, one of the four I found. Uh-huh. And, um, so guy Michelson, I still call him up, even though he's in Seattle and a guy without you, we wouldn't own this property. So yeah. when he comes to town, I, I buy him dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. Thanks for the head, Yeah. Yeah. So I buy him dinner. Thanks for the tip. But, but this property is right in the middle of, uh, it's right on the park. Yeah. It's right next to the new podium sportsplex. Yeah. It's across the street from the arena. Yeah. And, um, Hopefully, it will be adjacent to a new urban stadium for professional soccer. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you showed me the renderings of your of your proposed building and yeah. and walked me through how it's connected to the public and the breezeways and all that and just just really exceptional. I just find I just find your your vision and your philosophy. Not only is it remarkable to watch somebody like you explain a project like that, but the way that you have connected yourself to this community in a in doing a project of that and 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 it and it so perfectly fits with what you're talking about about your passion and your philosophy and it's not it's not just another real estate deal for you. It's not just a dollar mm. and cents thing for you. But this is something really exciting that you are creating for your community right in your backyard. You cannot, as a developer, the worst thing you can do is develop for yourself. Mm. Um, you might like what you're developing for, but you're not the customer. Okay, the customer is are, are the people that are out there, the whole population of the community. And the other thing is, is that when you own a business, understand not everybody's going to like what you do. Mm-hmm. And if you try to satisfy everybody, you're going to dumb yourself down so much. I, I love this advice. Uh, I think this is beige, really important. Beige is for, <laughs> that's beige. Yep. You know, you're dumbing yourself down so you're not upsetting anybody. Yep. And people, as you can see today, everybody's upset about something. Oh, you yeah. know, But you have to be willing for somebody to come up to you and go, you know what? I hate that. Yeah. They're like, okay, sorry. But hopefully somebody comes up and goes, I love that. Yeah. And, and our job is to look at the community and determine what they need. Not the tenants, but the community itself. What is lacking? What do they want? You know, what does an office person want? What does a retail person want? You know, if you're going to go to a restaurant, well, how, do, how do you want to, you know, where do you want to hang out? What's the vibe that you want? And Spokane's changing dramatically. Yeah. It's not just local people. We have to understand the people that are coming to the community. Because a person from L.A. is going to be different than a person from back east or a person from Texas or uh, somebody from Montana. They're, they have different experiences and different wants and needs. And it's our job to listen to them yeah. and try to figure out how we can make this work for them. Yeah. Understand your customer. Understand what they're looking for. And, and deliver it to them mm-hmm. and, and find great pleasure and passion in doing it. Well, our, our time is short, Sheldon. However, 
the the name of the podcast is Socks and Soul. Okay. And I don't know if I explained this to you, but the socks is is kind of symbolic of business owners generally have pretty humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. And so our, our ideas start, you know, in our socks. And so we record this podcast in our I socks. Think, yeah. You have cool socks on. Oh, thanks. Tell me about these. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife has excellent taste well, in socks. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, but it's probably her. They, they uh, they're, they're black socks with white stripes. They look very comfortable. Yes. And, uh, and, and I can tell they're not just, you know, I mean, we talk about, we talk about things that are unique and our own styling. You got a little, your own styling going on with those socks. I, I, I do. I do. And, and again, quality, you know, not quantity. Yes. And, and it is, you know, they're not tube socks with the little yes. red and gold or whatever it is up on the top there. So. Yes. I am a sucker for a good pair of socks. There you go. And, uh, and I wore these today cause they kind of, they kind of reminded me a little bit of, of your buildings, you know, that you showed me. It they? has a great pattern in it. I might use that for yeah, our next product. Exactly. There. So, yeah. No, you would be surprised where we get our patterns. Uh-huh. It is things like this. Yeah. I've got them from, from, uh, textiles. Sure. Yeah, you never know where you're going to find inspiration. You, you can find inspiration anywhere. Anywhere. Buildings, your you know, your podcast host socks, you, yeah, know, you, you name go. it, you can find it. <laughs> um Sheldon if if people want to connect with you, are you on Facebook or no. What's the, what's the best way to connect with you? Um, old school email, um, just because of being a serial entrepreneur, yeah. I just do not have time for social media. So sorry, sorry about that, everyone. Um, I'm uh, there's it's it's always Sheldon at uh-huh. and uh, two companies revamppanels.com and Selkirk Dev and uh, Selkirk is named after the mountain range uh-huh. here, which is the Selkirk Mountain Range. S E L K I R K. Okay. Um, and Mount Spokane is the furthest southern point to the Selkirk Range, just for anybody who wants a little lesson in that. I didn't and the know northern that. post is uh, Revelstoke, seven hours north. North. Very cool. Yes. That is very cool. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll put those, I'll put your contact and your websites for your businesses in the show notes so that people can go online and see the good work you're you're doing. And, uh, you know, and what's what's coming down the pike for Selkirk Developments. You guys got some fun stuff happening. And what I want to do to pass this on is to walk the walk. Um, I will mentor. If you you. have a question, you if you want to call me, if you want to email me, feel free to do it. I'll get back to you. Thank you, Sheldon. I'm sure my audience really appreciates that. Oh, you you have to do it. It's it's about the next generation. Yeah, it's 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 the fun part about it. You know, it's the people part. That's the fun part. You and and that's you know that's your overarching philosophy is is taking something that has value and its own uniqueness, you know, and making it great and better for for you and the community and those around you. I just yeah. think that is awesome. <laughs> well, it's a lot of enjoyment. It's when awesome. people come up to you and say, "Man, they love your building," that that's hard not to not hard to go home with a smile on your face. That is so cool. I mean, it is it is it is so rewarding. I love it. Well, keep doing keep doing fine work. We're excited to see what happens next with Selkirk Development and Revamp Panels. Uh-huh. And I sure appreciate you joining me today. Oh, no. It was a lot of fun. Lot awesome. Of fun. Awesome. Well, this wraps up today's episode of the Socks and Soul podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, look up Sheldon, reach out to him if you've got some questions for him. Uh, you heard it. You heard it here. He'll, uh, you know, he'll reach back out and, and give you some mentoring advice if you sure. need it. Happy to. All right. We'll see you next time on the Socks and Soul podcast. The Socks and Soul Podcast is a production of Ditto Film Media. If you enjoy this content, be sure to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. 
Join the conversation on Facebook at Socks and Soul Podcast.